Hey, I know you're here for the podcast, but give me 30 seconds to talk about a new service we just released for anyone working in a CPG brand. Finding the perfect co-packer or supplier can be a real pain. You spend hours Googling options, texting your colleagues, asking around different Slack groups, and still you get nothing. That's why we created Fiddle Connect Consulting, a done-for-you service that does all of the hard work of finding your dream co-packer or supplier. Best of all, it's 100% guaranteed and you get three free months of Fiddle Inventory Operations software included. Interested? Just go to lp.fiddle.io forward slash FCC. That's lp.fiddle.io forward slash FCC. Now, on with the episode. Welcome to the Physical Product Movement, a podcast by Fiddle. We share stories of the world's most ambitious and exciting physical product brands to help you capitalize on the monumental change in how, why, and where consumers buy. I'm your host, Ken Ojuka. Hey, it's Taylor again. Stoked to be back as the host for another episode. My guest is Tyler Phillips, the founder and chief edible officer at Hummy Snacks. We talked about how he got interested in the CPG space, the unique combination of experiences that gave him the idea for Hummy, product iterations, NFTs, and other CPG goodness. Tyler is full of energy and enthusiasm, and I think you'll really enjoy his insights. Here's the interview. Awesome. Well, Tyler Phillips, welcome to the Physical Product Movement Podcast. Super stoked to have you on to chat about Hummy and NFTs, just to kind of tease the conversation a little bit, production. And uh, yeah, I'm really excited. I'm really excited to talk to you because uh, A, um, you know, we we haven't ever actually had a conversation before outside of like Slack and LinkedIn, I think. But you're, you know, you have a really infectious personality. Your brand is really cool. And I'm excited to kind of dig into what you guys are up to in your pre-launch phase at Hummy, talk about the origin story and all that stuff. So you ready to dig in? Oh yeah, Tyler. Thanks for having right, us man. here. Um, and I attribute definitely the, the infectious community or personality is definitely community inspired. Um, since getting into the food and beverage uh, space, I've just been overwhelmed by all the positive energy um, and just give back that different founders, entrepreneurs, people in the space like yourself, um, all kind of have that build it together um, growth mentality. Well said, man. Well said. I think um, I think there's something special about groups of people that are pursuing something that they're passionate about and something that they're excited about that you don't get outside of that. Like I felt it. Uh, I felt it in the C in the CPG space for sure and other kind of entrepreneurial groups I've been in before. I used to be in a band as well. And we did that. I did that pretty hard for a little while. And like the people in that space were all really helpful and cool too. And I feel like the one thing in common is we're, as we're all like passionate about what we're doing and we're building something we're passionate about. And so we want to help other people that are kind of on a similar journey. So I think that's cool. I think it's cool that you called that out. Exactly. It's kind of interesting. I guess we'll get into it later to see there's definitely some parallels there with what's going on in NFTs and that um, community building focus that's going on um, 
over in that space right now too. So um, it's definitely an exciting opportunity to kind of merge the two and uh, talk to you more about that later in the podcast. Yeah, for sure. And this wasn't in, in intentional at all. I guess it was just the, the universe aligning things a little bit, but um, I just had a conversation that's going to be on the podcast too with um, Dev, Dev Sevy from Sizzle Popcorn. I don't know if you know him. Uh, I do not, but sounds like I, I need to do some research after. You do. I'll, I'll have to connect you both because he's um, he has a very similar philosophy with his brand as you do with building the community and just having a really creative, cool, cool brand. Um, and he actually launched an NFT project for his brand a couple months ago, which I didn't know about until we were talking on the podcast. And so, you know, the listeners are going to get two episodes in a row with a little bit of talk of NFT. So hopefully people are excited about that because I'm excited about it. So uh, nice. Yeah, definitely a little excitement. And then also there's part of me now that is like, uh oh, that, that might mean a, a little more Ethereum coming out of my uh, wallet to support <laughs> this project. But, oh man, um, yeah, the pain is real between the gas <laughs> and the actual per- purchase price and that kind of thing. It, it can get pretty high, but but we'll we'll save some of that talk for later. Let's start by um, digging into the origin story of Hummy. You were kind of telling me a little bit about it before and I had to cut you off because I wanted to save the juice for the podcast. So tell me how Hummy started. Uh, yeah, um, it's interesting. Like I hear this quote before, but it's kind of like the dots can be connected looking backwards. And I think that's definitely true with Hummy kind of being a culmination of uh, my childhood, being uh, the oldest of five children. We were always um, kind of snacking in the back of our mom's minivan on the way to different sporting events or activities. Uh, little bites were flying everywhere. Those mini muffins that have kind of inspired uh, Hummy's newest product. And then over time, um, all of us children developed a passion for health and wellness and kind of taking those snacks that we loved as kids and trying to reimagine them in a better for you form. Um, there was definitely a, a bit of a gap there between childhood and when Hummy started and in between there, went off to college, uh, studied finance and accounting, um, definitely influenced by, again, our, our family's background in business. Um, we've had a chain of hardware stores in upstate New York. Uh, Phillips Hardware since 1886. Um, not sure how useful that plug will be, depending on how many Albany, New York listeners you have. Uh, but I always have to uh, support the family business. And uh, our father has, has been a huge inspiration, just showing how to build a, a community, definitely more um, on the physical side with a hardware store, not on, online. But I think a lot of that can translate over to, and just thinking about how you can be of service as a, a business person, as a brand, um, just as people in the community. And then, so after college, uh, ended up traveling out to Puerto Rico actually, uh, where I'm actually sitting now after uh, returning yesterday for just a short week, kind of a, a workation, but moved out there here after uh, college with a buddy of mine from growing up, lifelong friend. He was definitely um, a little more of like, a hustler and entrepreneur at heart. And some of that rubbed off on me over time. Um, He was the one who actually originally introduced cryptocurrency and Ethereum to me uh, back in 2017, as we were going into our senior year of college. And so um, both of us were pretty fortunate to be um, a little bit early to the game, not as early as way back at the inception of of Bitcoin, but um, just reading about the technology 
um, seeing like Crypto Kitties released for the first time and seeing that go wild and being huge kind of fans of gamification as well as um, just loving to study kind of business and trends, seeing how maybe these two things are going to merge in the future. Um, so we ended up originally moving out to Rico. I this will all connect eventually into into Hummy. Um, yeah, I love it. Just, uh, but we eventually moved out to Puerto Rico originally for um, cryptocurrency because we saw some things happening here on the island and we wanted to work with small businesses on how to accept it. Um, all that kind of blew by the way, wayside once we moved out here um, after graduating college in September of 2018 because kind of the cryptocurrency market was then heading into like crypto winter, I guess, as they like to call it, um, a little <laughs> bit of a cool off uh, phase. But we just fell in love with the island. The entrepreneurial spirit here is really vibrant um, because they don't have the luxury of having um, kind of more stable, larger uh, corporations or companies here offering lots of jobs. If somebody graduates college in Puerto Rico, one of the popular routes is starting their own business if they want to stay here. Um, so that kind of started my journey into working with different startups. And then in January of 2020, around like a year and a half um, of living in Puerto Rico, I was coming back from a long run. Uh, I really kind of uh, developed like a passion for uh, long-term endurance training, like swimming in the ocean here, running mm -hmm. along um, kind of San Juan throughout the cities and going for hikes and realize the benefits that a plant-based diet can have on uh, recovery, overall energy, um, focus when it came to balancing that with what I was doing in business. And so when I was coming back from uh, this run one morning, was really craving like a plant-based um, frozen dessert, like an ice cream without any added sugars. And that's pretty hard to find stateside. Um, back then, a couple of years ago too, now we have some more options. But in Puerto Rico, it was pretty much unheard of to even think of. Um, couldn't find it anywhere in the stores and took this dessert hummus uh, recipe using the, the power of the chickpea to kind of create this protein-packed, um, healthy and yummy ice cream. Uh, later, that friend who I moved here with, he came up with the name Hummy, um, partly inspired by that hummus origination. And then we realized after the fact that, oh, Hummy could also mean healthy and yummy combined. Mm -hmm. um, so that was the first product was this ice cream. Then uh, kind of the pandemic hit and some early investors, uh, unfortunately, had to a, had a back away from their financial commitment to the company, which kind of left it um, with a bit of uncertainty. Fortunately, uh, came across Union Kitchen Food Accelerator in DC, and we were accepted into their, their first program um, after the pandemic hit. We were, I think, cohort 13. Um, and that happened that summer and helped kind of um, transition that ice cream product into a, a protein-packed popsicle that eventually launched um, in January this year. And so that was the first product that we got to market. Um, learned a lot there um, from a production side. We were producing in a commercial kitchen. Uh, when I say we, it was primarily myself with um, sometimes an, an intern that was working through um, a DC organization. Um, where they would kind of pay for him to work with small businesses. And then my brother came for the first production run. Um, so it was very bootstrapped. Um, 
they also did some distribution with us at, at Union Kitchen and to their stores and then other local stores. But then there were definitely a few occurrences in the middle of winter where I would pack a couple cases in the back of my car, windows down, air blasting so that it wasn't melting um, in like the 30 minute drive to a store and ended up uh, delivering it myself. Um, after like three to four months with the, that frozen product, realized um, that it's a bit difficult to scale as a bootstrapped company into the, the frozen dessert category. Um, mm. And ultimately that's what led to the most recent pivot to shelf stable snacks and kind of thinking back on childhood and those little bites um, that our family had always bonded over. And that's kind of what uh, led to these mini muffins being created. We worked with a Michelin starred uh, chef this summer to really kind of make the yummy part of it. And then the healthy um, aspect of this hummy product was made courtesy of uh, a woman named Kirsten Cole, who had past experience at brands like Lakanto that makes uh, the monk mm. fruit sweetened products, which is yeah. one of the, the healthy ways we sweeten our products. Um, and then we just completed a Kickstarter campaign actually. So we are just beginning our kind of scaling up our production journey and talking with co-packers right now. Um, but that's the, the story to date with Hummy. Okay, well, the first thing I have to say is that's probably the most coherent and well-delivered brand story I've ever heard, like, from start to finish. That was really cool. Like, I was following along the whole time and taking notes, and I could see how, like, each step connected to the next. So, first of all, props on, you know, on that. I think that's cool. Like, I loved hearing the story. Like, I love... Uh, one of my favorite things, and I was just talking to, um, I was just talking to someone about this on the last podcast, but like, I love hearing creation stories. It doesn't matter if it's like a movie, if it's a song, if it's a business, maybe it's like someone deciding they want to build their own house. Like I love hearing the story of like the seed, like how it first kind of started and then all the different steps that kind of changed and that brought it to where it is today. Cause I think one thing and I don't know if it's just me, but I feel like, you know, you kind of go, you kind of go through the world and you hear a song or you see like a caterpillar, um, you know, like work truck. I just see that across the street in my office right now. That's what I'm saying. That. Or like you see like a power line and you just think that those things were always there, right? You don't realize that there's like this whole process that came to make those things to be. And so to hear someone describe their process of how, of how it like first started and to get how it got to where it is now. I just feel like it makes it a lot more accessible and it makes it, it just makes it cool to hear how people create the things that they make. So I think that's really cool. And I had a second comment and it just slipped my mind because I went on too much of a tangent with that last thing. But um, tell me about how your, how, how hard was it to make that pivot? Like you put in the time and the effort into kind of do, doing like the frozen popsicles or the, the ice, the ice, ice cream, the frozen treat. And then you decided to pivot. Like how hard was it to make that change? Cause that's a pretty big change after all the work you put into it. Yeah. Um, I'm going to answer this honestly, like maybe it should have been a harder pivot, but I think I was so strapped for like um, finding that product market fit and something that was easier to scale online um, that it was actually pretty natural like just phased out production of the popsicles um contacted all the retailers luckily we were just testing it out on a, a small market kind of scale um 
within like 15 stores in the DMV region and contacted them, explained what we're doing, explained the new product idea that we had. They were on board and then serendipitously met um, the chef who kind of came on board to help formulate the product. Um, I guess that's the benefit of being a, a solo founder is um, there's not so many voices, I guess, uh, different opinions like going on internally. Although mm -hmm. I do like to think like Hank Hummy, who I, I didn't mention in that origin story, but he's very, very important to the brand, our, our chickpea mascot <laughs> and cartoon character. Um, I think he has a voice at the table and knowing that he wouldn't be left behind is still kind of chickpea powered. They were healthy, yummy snacks. It still fit into the brand ethos. Um, and I, I do think uh, kind of how you were just describing how like it's cool to, to hear the whole journey of a, a song or a movie or a product. Um, it's like a living creature. And just because you put something aside for now doesn't mean you can't come back to it um, way down the road. So we just kind of pushed ahead the mini muffins on the product roadmap because they were planned for a few years down the road and then kind of switched it out with now frozen desserts is on the roadmap, but further down um, kind of the, the timeline where hopefully by that point we have more of a, a retail network effect and that we don't need to scale this product out um, 15 to 50 to 200 stores. By that point, hopefully we already have a, a large network of stores through our other products that we introduced. And then it'd be easier to uh, introduce a frozen dessert on a mass scale. Okay, cool. Okay, that's really cool. Like, so, so the, so the, so the frozen treat is still on the on the roadmap. You just kind of decided to switch the order that you focus on it, which I think is awesome. Um, it's cool to have that kind of have that foresight to be able to do that. Um, the, the other thing I was going to mention, you said that you use Le Canto to sweeten your your products, and that is that our office is just like. 15 or 20 minutes south of the of the Lepanto headquarters in in Utah. So if you ever come out here to visit them or whatever, make sure you, you know, come by the fiddle office as well. Oh, no way. And it might yeah. be the reverse. Um, visiting you all at, at fiddle and then happen to stop by. Oh, I like to it. Say hi to. <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> Awesome, man. All right, well, let's dig into let's 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 dig into the muffins where you're at now. So, are you making those in the um, Union Kitchen too, or are you doing are you making them somewhere else? Um, I had actually moved out of the Union Kitchen space because uh, once we stopped production of the popsicles, um, kind of opened it back up again to seeing is this the best place for us to really launch regionally and ended up leading to the decision to moving down um, to Florida, actually, where there's a bit more interest um, in a plant-based snack. Although this isn't just for plant-based people, but three of, I think, like the top 15, um, like vegan-friendly cities happen to be in Florida. There's a big kind of startup CPG community um, blossoming in, in Miami. So it's great to network and learn from other founders there. And those are some of the um smaller short-term uh co-manufacturing partners that we've talked to are all down in florida so um figured it'd be best to as we're doing one pivot kind of do a pivot at the same time and move down there um and so 
We're hoping to work with a commercial kitchen space there actually that's gluten-free certified in Lakeland, Florida. Um, there's an amazing uh, lady and entrepreneur there that runs a, a small bakery called Muffins Bakery. Um, and she's interested in getting more into co-packing. So it'll be a pilot for the both of us. Um, oh, cool. And fortunately, she just won a prize last week, actually. That's really exciting, which is allowing her to kind of expand her production machinery to kind of match um, our needs with the mini muffins. Okay. Very cool. Um, how are you? So you're, you're going to have it made in that kitchen. And I think that's really cool that you're both kind of um, venturing into it for the first time together because you'll both learn a lot and also have a lot of patience with the other party right to make sure that you get it right so I think that's cool that you're both kind of participating in that at the same time um, tell me how I guess two different questions the first is um, how did you decide what you were like the ingredients that you were going to put into your product and then how do you source them um yeah so to decide the ingredients I think it comes first from analyzing like what we want the nutrition label to look like because um, that helps dictate how many sugars or carbs we can kind of um, include in the formulation. And um, from the beginning, we really identified like a need um, in snacks and especially sweet snacks to make a, a carb conscious version, not necessarily keto friendly, although a few of our flavors are but just lower in overall carbs, um, contains zero added sugars, um, really contain less sugars than traditional ones, but have all of that flavor. So that's where we use things like monk fruit. Um, and again, some of it, it might really plan and put together um, if you were just looking in now, um, although there are still many pieces that we're sorting out, but a lot of it, it was like a puzzle. And as we were looking for certain, um, opportunities or had an idea that, for example, we wanted to source um, sustainably where possible, be part of um, this upcycled movement and help prevent food waste by incorporating that into our ingredient deck where possible. It just seemed like these companies, I guess, law of attraction um, just can't, were like popping up. And that might be a benefit of trying to, to be a part of a lot of different communities in the CPG space. Um, whether it's like Facebook communities or um, different accelerator programs like Union Kitchen and uh, Food Future Co., which we're now a part of. So that's when we came across like two of, I guess, our, our biggest um, ingredient partners to date, uh, Nutriati, which is based out of Virginia. And while I was living in D.C., I was able to do a physical in-person visit, um, which it, I think still in this, in this day of the, the pandemic and a lot of things happen virtually, it, it just is really great when you can meet the team involved in something, learn a bit about their story, go out to lunch, try some of the products that they're working on and just make that um, real personal connection. So we were able to do that with Nutriati and they supply um, their Arteza brand of chickpea um, ingredients. And so we use their chickpea flour and protein um, and then Outcast Foods was a company that was introduced to us from another entrepreneur, um, other, from Otherworld, actually. They just launched uh, after completing a, a Kickstarter campaign and their website has launched recently. Um, they make like pancake mixes and they were using the upcycled fruit powders from uh, 
outcast. And so that was a, a first digital connection. And then actually Expo East, um, the founders from Other World and myself, we were able to, to, to meet up um, in person. And so that's kind of how we've gone about it. Working with a chef this summer too, we, we quickly realized what ingredients we can use. Um, at first we were using like oats, for example. And then when we did some testing, um, both with like live testing at a, a racing event, and then also just looking at the nutrition label, um, we realized that it was contributing to a higher carb intake. And then also we were getting um, some suggestions from people that really loved our product for be being gluten-free, but it was just one ingredient away from being grain-free as well. And that one ingredient was oats. So we ended up removing oats um, and just supplanting that with the, the chickpea flour and protein blend. Um, as we grow, kind of being gluten-free, primarily plant-based, and uh, being open to different alternative proteins. Uh, although we always, I think, going back to Hank Coming, um, we are a chickpea-centric brand, I, I think, I would mm -hmm. like to think. And so that'll always be a component, but that doesn't mean that Hank Coming can't make uh, a friend that maybe sees itself in, in pea protein or, or hemp protein or something else that's combined with it. Yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, Hank is uh, Hank's pretty specific about what he likes, but he he's also open to change, right? He's an open to change kind of guy. Exactly, he's a pretty easygoing dude, um, <laughs> and he's I got some it. some good friends that are seen on the on the mini muffins packaging. Um, there's a, a banana guy, um, a chocolate chip brownie girl, and then there's also a, a blueberry muffin character, and you can kind of all all see them on the packaging. Um, and eventually when we start talking to it, that's part of um, where we foresee going with NFTs and kind of um, alternative ways that we can really engage with the community in a fun way. Love it. Yeah, for sure. I'm excited to circle back around to that because I have a lot of questions about your brand and kind of why you made the decisions that you made because I, I think, again, that it uh, definitely stands out. Um, but before we get to that, kind of continuing on with the operation side of things, um, what sort of, um, are you managing all the, like all the production now, like you're the one that's planning it out and kind of meeting all the suppliers and the sourcing and stuff, or do you have someone else that you're kind of partnered with that's helping with that process? Uh, right now it's myself. Um, that is one thing. So right now we're also uh, pitching for investment towards the end of this year and, and early next year. And I think one of the primary uses for the, the team allocation of, of that fundraising would be to find um, an experienced COO or work with one of the, the like fractionalized COO agencies mm -hmm. or services that are available. Um, but for these introduction calls, um, I guess I don't have any point of relativity, but it, it seems I'm able to, to kind of just sort out who's friendly enough to have a conversation with a young 25-year-old um, founder and maybe relate if they were in our steps 10, 10 years ago or, or earlier on in their journey. And that's kind of helped show who I really think um, Hummy could partner with as a co-packing partner for years to come. If they're willing to at least have a conversation, um, work with me as I ask maybe a lot of um, questions that 
when they're working with more experienced people, um, they just assume that they know, but I, I'm really going into it, um, trying to be very aware of what I don't know and make sure I, I learn as much as possible in these conversations. Um, and then just keeping a spreadsheet of kind of who's in, in which geographic region. So as we know um, more about what retail partners want to work with us across the country, we can identify what co-packing partner in that region is a good fit. And then um, kind of the, the time, um, time span that we could start working with them in and, and at what production level. It's not the easiest time too because of um, everything that's going on in, in the supply chain with the industry right now, there's also the labor shortage um, that a lot of these production facilities have. Mm-hmm. But um, I think of it as playing a, a video game, I guess, in a sense, like sometimes um, you have to first sort out the map and the characters and what resources are available to you in the game before you can go and kind of um, strategically, I guess, carry out the, the various levels of the game. So kind of in that information gathering phase. Okay. Um, not to say either that other mentors have, have definitely helped a lot with providing the, those introductions to those co-packers um, and, and just different people who can maybe provide some insight, whether they were like a founder in the past too and how they went about it. Gotcha, okay. I, I have to just say really quick, it's funny. So literally in the last... Um, conversation I had with Dev, he talked about how he treats business as a video game too, because he's kind of got a similar like branding, um, not the same as you, of course, but like uh, he kind of takes that same like video game uh, approach to business and building the community and stuff. And we were talking about how like how much happier we would all be if, if, if we kind of treated work and life as a, as a video game that you're just playing to have fun. So I think it's yeah. cool that you that you kind of approach things the same 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 way. That's interesting. Have fun. Um, at the same time, when I play video games, I, it's more fun when you do well. So the <laughs> that Amen. part too. Um, but it doesn't mean it's not a, a winner take all. I mean, there's some games that are, but the games that I enjoy playing are kind of the ones where everybody can can do well at the at the same time too. Um, yeah, for it's sure. The amount of of effort and, and passion um, you put into it. What made you decide to go with the co-packer as opposed to making it on your own? Um, yeah, I think, so I, with the popsicles, as I mentioned um, earlier, when we were talking, um, kind of giving the, the layout of like our, our journey at Hummy, I, I was in a commercial kitchen at one point. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Creating the, these popsicles. And it was a very, popsicles are a different product, obviously, but it, it was very time intensive. I quickly realized um, although I can learn how to produce it, it's not where my passion lies um, and where I, I would want to gain more um, like experience or knowledge that more lies in like kind of the, the business um, realm of things, whether I mean, my degrees are in finance accounting, so can understand the quantitative, but also love like um, the marketing kind of interacting with customers or going out into the field and meeting category buyers. So it was a bit difficult spending uh, lots of long nights uh, in the kitchen and, and producing myself. Um, and I, I give a lot of people credit who go that route because there's definitely advantages to it. Um, if you have a proprietary process in making your, your product, you can kind of build a moat around that. And then um, 
there's a lot of revenue to be made in, in being a, a brand that also serves as a, a co-packer yourself. Um, but just kind of reassessing at, the, at that point in time um, uh, where Hummy's strengths and weaknesses are. And by Hummy, it's, it's really where my own uh, strengths and weaknesses are because um, we weren't fortunate enough to, to I guess, have an, an experienced co-founder on board. Um, like I mentioned earlier, that's something definitely open to, to finding someone that, that could fit into that, that role in the future and, and share a piece of the pie with them. Um, mm-hmm. But since we weren't as knowledgeable in that um, and talking with others who have gone the other side of things out of the Union Kitchen Network and have worked with co-packers, um, I've heard a, a mix of four stories and, and what to watch out for when you're creating your agreements and everything. But also I've heard a lot about how it just helps produce your product at scale. Sometimes too, if you have trouble with formulation, formulation and, and research and development, um, there's some co-packers that offer these services. And then um, it doesn't mean again, uh, I guess going back to how was talking about like retiring the popsicles doesn't mean that humming will come back to it. We, we put it back on our roadmap just because we're working with a co-packer um, in the short term to scale up and get more brand awareness, um, get into more retailers and, and learn a lot about the production process. Still trying to be hands-on with the co-packer. Like once we narrow it, it down to three to five, um, I do plan on if they allow um, so with proof of vaccination, everything, um, plan to visit these facilities, kind of forge those relationships and get a peek behind the scenes of what a production process looks like. Um, maybe two to three years from now, that's one of the reasons we're raising capital is to build out a production facility of our own at Hummy. Mm-hmm. Um, would love to kind of, I mean, Willy Wonka is a great um, analogy of like how you can create although it's fictional, like you can create a, an experiential kind of environment. Um, so having a dual purpose production facility, I think of two, like lots of vacations up in Vermont to the Ben and Jerry's um, factory and how that serves as like a kind of multi-pronged um, approach to it where you can get some of your production done, but you can also test new flavors there with people who visit. Um, everybody gets that more personal experience and then stories to, to pass on and tell others. Yeah. I love it. Oh yeah. That's awesome, man. I can definitely tell that you're, um, you're very thoughtful and very, um, intentional about kind of the way you go about building your business, which I think is cool. Thanks. Um, it's, (laughs) it, it might be less, like I said earlier, the, the dots can be connected backwards. So sometimes it's easier <laughs> to try and connect and add thought to, to the actions that already occurred. But yeah, um, true. Would, would, would like to think that's where the long runs help too, um, is kind of clearing the mind and just sorting through what are, um, as a mentor of mine, like always likes to say, like focus on the big boulders of, of what needs to be pushed right um, to, to get your, I guess, um, brand kind of, moving long-term, it's very easy to feel good about moving little pebbles um, and checking things off your list, but just make sure you're balancing that with things that are really strategic and, and will help you maybe not as immediately in the next week or month, 
but will pay off many years from now. And again, that, that goes, once we jump into it later with like the NFT and cryptocurrency community, because lots of people in this in that space also have a long-term mindset and vision um, to where this can build over the next five, 10, 20 years. For sure, for sure. Um, I think that's cool, like the focus on the big boulders and kind of ha having more of a long-term focus. I think that's super healthy and super effective for building a business that does last longer than others do. So I think that's really cool. And you talked about, um, you know, it's easier to kind of connect the dots looking backwards. Um, obviously, you know, anyone that's building a business knows there's lots of problems. There's lots of hiccups, there's challenges, like things don't go the way you think they will with your production, with your marketing, with hiring, with funding, you know, you mentioned some, some uh, investors had fallen through, you know, I guess just in general, like what, are, what is your approach to problem solving and overcoming challenges? Um, yeah, I'm a big silver lining person. Like, I really like thinking, I mean, there's part of it that I've learned over time is like an acceptance of, wow, this, this was unfortunate. Um, sometimes it's not healthy to just shovel that down and try to be 150% positive all the time. Like maybe right away, just accept, okay, this wasn't how we planned. What, what happened um, where things started to go wrong and how can that be prevented in the future? And then after sorting through that, so you know kind of not to get yourself in that scenario again, um, just start think, thinking about maybe it's different people um, in your network who um, could help. I, I think that's always helped on some of the, the darkest and, and loneliest days is realizing the benefit of just reaching out to others. You never know um, what other people have, have gone through in the, in the past and what doors they might be able to open or, or what people they might be able to introduce you to who can then open more doors. Um, and then also sometimes it's taking a step away from your business, um, whether that's spending time with family, volunteering, or sometimes it, it's really helpful to, to help others sort through problems within their business and then unintentionally like, oh, wait, I just gave that advice. That actually, I haven't tried that with my business yet. Maybe I should try that later on tonight or tomorrow. Yeah. Um, so I think all of those things and everybody has kind of their own formula for, for what works for them. And I'm sure it evolves over time. For sure. For sure. Yeah. That's really cool. Um, I think uh, I like how you started answering that question by talking about your kind of your mental approach to problem solving. Cause I think a lot of times in our society, like we just want to get practical and say, okay, like, what can I do? Like, what's the next step? But like, we're also emotional creatures, right? And like our feelings drive a lot of our behavior. So to like first kind of take inventory of how you're feeling and to make sure that you, you know, like feel those feelings and don't like, don't bury them down so that they turn into stress and ulcers, right? That come down to haunt you down the road, but to, to process them, to not be overly op optimistic, but to not be too pessimistic as well and then to start with the people in your circle that can help and kind of go from there I think that's really cool and really healthy way to uh, approach it are there any like uh like any like books or podcasts you mentioned a mentor anything like that or like websites you like to go to or like communities anything like that that you found to be helpful in your journey from like a problem solving standpoint 
Yeah. Um, that's a great question. My mind is just like whizzing with all, I consume like just a huge variety of media, I think. Um, whether it's like um, Gary Vaynerchuk um, for some marketing advice, like entrepreneurial um, encouragement, I guess. And mm-hmm. then all people like Tim Ferriss. Um, then in my own life, I think you can kind of find some sort of trait in every person, um, whether it's a, a team member in your business or family members, just thinking about some active, like a, actually a good example is like our brother just had um, the littlest Phillips uh, out of the five of us. He just had his bar mitzvah <laughs> last week, actually. And oh, cool. he sometimes is like the most mature out of all of us. Um, always helping his tour portion was all about um, helping others, even when people might not be um, looking at you. And so, and I think that's something he lives out. And that's something, that's just one example of like, you can really find whether it's a, a 13 year old or it's your grandfather or anyone really, you can find little things to kind of pick up from each person. And then um, what, with its media, I think like, um, movies, um, love like a good inspirational sports movie, like mm-hmm. whether it's Miracle or Rocky. Um, sometimes I think back to school, like with test taking, that would help like the week before a test, um, just watching some of those to, to see how people kind of persevered um, together. And then, um, yeah, fiction can also help because I think there's a, a hero's journey in, in fiction. Um, Books like The Alchemist, too. So I guess mm. just a big variety to sum it up. Yeah, I love it, man. I love all the different uh, resources you look into. Like, you, you kind of turn to life. Like, who's in your life? Like, you know, obviously there's the mentors and stuff, kind of the mentors from afar, like the Gary V's and Tim Ferriss's. But then also, like, being able to learn from your little brother. I think that's awesome. From your, you know, from your grandfather, you mentioned, and from like fiction and movies and that kind of thing. I think that's all really awesome that you're kind of, your antenna is kind of always just up and you kind of detect some of those lessons in all different places in life, which is cool. Yeah. Um, Thanks. So again, I think playing sports too probably helped a a lot with that because you're always trying to pick up different moves or, or different lessons from your coaches or other players like oh he tried that that looks pretty. so or it's also like seeing life like a video game like sometimes it's just as important to watch what other players are doing and what works for them and then taking those bits and applying it to your own life or game that's awesome that's awesome well talking about games we've already teased it a couple times and i would just love to hear your thoughts on um kind of cpg space the C- the cpg space and nfts um, and you know, if, if, if you want to speak to kind of what you've been doing with, um, club CPG and their program, that's cool. Just anything else that's on your mind as far as kind of the future of food and beverage or kind of the future of C, C, CPG and NFTs and that, that kind of thing. So dating back to my own personal journey with NFTs, um, had first been interested in cryptocurrencies, like. Uh, really diving in like summer of 2017. Um, I was uh, in an accounting internship at the time, had a lot of extra hours um, in that nine to five Monday through Friday period and decided to devote it to researching a lot about cryptocurrencies. And then later that year, um, NFTs kind of um, popped up as 
uh, another, I guess, spinoff of, of this blockchain technology. Um, hadn't really become like an investor in it or thinking about how to use it um, like personally in a business until I would say like a year and a half or two years ago. Um, like started seeing, I think like NBA Top Shot in sports. Um, a cousin of mine and me, we, we both got interested into NFTs more. He does a lot in the sports space. Um, at one point we were developing kind of a, a concept of our own uh, in NFTs and, and sports, which is kind of fallen on, on the back burner. Um, then too, kind of with the with Hummy, um, having these cartoon characters and always loving like video games and gamification and how to build excitement in a community. I thought maybe down the road, um, it'd be a cool opportunity to introduce these into NFTs. Um, now recently, yeah, as you mentioned, like Club CPG, um, Crypto Package Goods, that's a new group that, that's been formed. Um, and it, they launched, so you get access to the group by purchasing um, one of their NFTs, which you can find in OpenSea. And so although it was a decent um, chunk of change or Ethereum, I, I guess, um, yeah. like digital change, um, it, I thought it, it would at least be worth the investment to see. And the best thing about NFTs is you can purchase the NFT, gain access to this group, be in it for a little bit. And um, if it doesn't seem like it's something you're interested in, you can always put the NFT back in the market and sell it. Um, but also the hope is if you join the group, you provide value to the group, you grow with it over time, that maybe this is also an investment that when you're eventually ready to leave the group and sell the NFT, you can actually get a return on your investment too. Um, so again, it, it's trying, I guess, to find like multi-pronged use cases for N NFTs has always caught my interest. Like um, we were talking about Gary Vee earlier, he launched Vee Friends um, this summer and uh, I got in like almost right away. I was really excited on um, holding, they were also serving as digital tickets to VCon, like kind mm -hmm. of a uh, South by Southwest um, Gary V style that's happening in 2022, 2023, and 2024. Um, so I liked how it's not only digital art that you own, it kind of serves its own purpose. Again, trying to like pick up different points of inspiration from different areas. I think I jotted down a, a note of like, oh, this would be cool. Like, what if Hummy NFTs one day serve as a ticket to a fitness and food related event, or it gains you access on our website to an exclusive product, or it unlocks discounts. Think about how to kind of bake in different rewards um, and incentives for people to, to invest in the NFTs. Um, so the V Friends project was a cool one. That was one of the first to really give like real world world value to this um, and ended up actually, it, the market got too hot and ended up having to, to sell those. I'm hoping to get back, back in eventually. Um, <laughs> but that's helped fund actually recently. That'll help fund some of the kind of bootstrapped scaling up with Hami until we raise investment was the sale of some of those view friends. So I like to think that nice. it served it some purpose. Um, 
And so with CPG and NFTs, I think, again, it's cool because it can combine this real world element with this digital community. And so if you are a brand also that leans heavily on characters um, and cartoons. So another comparable is uh, Emily Miller at Off Limits, who after the fact, I kind of found out, I thought, as always, I guess, with ideas, you think you're one of the few to have it. It probably turns out there's lots and lots of people that are thinking about this. Some of them that, that are just coming to light, some of them that are working uh, more stealthily and maybe they'll just spontaneously um, release in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, but she also features cartoons with her, her serial brand um, and I think has a plans to get into... Um, NFTs or, or some sort of digital art with them eventually. So it's just cool to see that we're in the early, early stages. The one thing I think the big conversation within the community is because we are early on, when you make an NFT for a product, um, are you looking to um, create it for the larger community of your brand? So if Coca Cola is watching it, is it for? fans of coca-cola or is it for people who already have their metamask set up already know the ins and outs of buying um, nfts and exchanging cryptocurrencies and are they the ones who are going to be purchasing it um personally i i think we are probably in the early stages where it might be best to create something that is just for the community in the nft space Although maybe there's the other argument of all it's going to take is that Pokemon Go moment with AR or QR codes during the pandemic of some sort of event to occur or some sort of brand to make such a big splash that it really pushes people to learn this easily. And maybe that's what it is. Like maybe it's a a platform or a company like Facebook that comes out with a seamless way to purchase NFTs without anyone knowing what's going on in the back end. It's like using the internet, I guess, today. Um, I can't really tell you how it works, but I know that somehow, amazingly, we're able to have this call over the internet right now. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's lots of, there's lots of really good thoughts in there that I'd love to dig into more, but I know we're getting close to the end of our time, but I think that um, it's something I'm going to keep an eye on with your brand for sure. Cause I think you're, you know, the fact that you're kind of thinking about it, you're kind of at the forefront. Um, and you said um, Emily Miller, is, is that what her name is? Yep. Um, maybe another good person for the podcast. Yeah, um, for sure. I'm going to look into her stuff too. And that's one thing maybe before this is published, um, I'm just going to reach out to her and see, if it's okay or not to hint at that she might be getting into it. I neither can confirm nor confirm it. I can't confirm it actually. I don't know at all, but I don't want to spoil any plans if, if she does have them. Okay. Yeah, reach, reach out to her and see what, see what she says. Cause I don't want to spoil any of her plans, but, um, but yeah, I think just in general, there's lots of exciting things to happen. And I think you hit the nail on the head a little bit with the, uh, dilemma of you know do you launch it for the people like to the nft enthusiasts that have a metamask wallet the people that are already buying it and trading it and flipping it or is it something that's kind of more mass market i think there's probably 
pros and cons to both sides of things. But I do think that, um, I do think that there's, there's kind of just an energy in the air right now with the internet of kind of similar change that we went through in like 20, like 2009 to 2011 with the rise of Twitter and the rise of and the prominence of like Facebook pages and kind of the decline of my, of my, my space, you know, like where social media changed from being just a social network to like a platform that businesses could use to grow. And I think that the internet is changing again into this kind of NFT metaverse space. And I think that there's a big opportunity for the brands that, um, you know, that can figure out a way to get on board with it and to innovate around that to really, to really win and to really do things in big, in big ways. And it's, and it's almost kind of hard to talk about because it's like, we don't really know what it looks like yet, but there's just a feeling that something big is coming and happening. So the fact that you're tapped yeah. into it, I, I think is really cool. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Like we really have no, it'll be interesting to listen back um, to this conversation, other conversations about NFTs in five years and see, has it exploded? Um, and if it has, has it exploded into different areas that we didn't even anticipate now? Or was it more of a, a very, very early stage fad that maybe it's going to take much longer than we thought to really grow. Um, I think of like, think, I was always a fan of like the 3D TVs growing up, um, always thinking that self-driving cars were going to be on the road once I got my license. So I didn't need to learn to drive. Um, so <laughs> it'll be interesting to see how fast adoption can happen. And, and there's people who argue that, I guess, like the newer generations are more accustomed to learning new technology much faster. So maybe mm -hmm. it does happen faster than we, we think. Um, and then, yeah, I have so many thoughts too. Like crowdfunding is one area. Tried putting it into our Kickstarter. Kickstarter actually has rules against using NFTs right now. Um, but I think that'd be an interesting opportunity for maybe an alternative platform to offer some sort of digital collectible yes. around your tiered um, pledge to a company. Mm -hmm. And then that could be, you could track um, maybe royalties on the first production run. Or you could just do so many interesting things with, with it and the, the smart contracts too. Yeah, for sure. For sure. It's actually interesting that you mentioned the crowd, the crowdfunding aspect um, because in the episode with Dev that I just did, he talked about how one of the unintentional side effects of his NFT launch was that it kind of served as a, as like a crowd as a crowdfunding campaign and he didn't think that that would happen but because of how well it took on and his with his like following with his brand um it kind of turned into that so i think there's something to be said about that as well yeah again you just uh kind of like butted a, a little seed of a thought too of like is it now the debate happens maybe is it easier to build a brand with a great nft rather than first build your brand in CPG and then launch that NFT. Um, yeah, like it, that's true. And maybe there's no right answer. Maybe some can do great one way, some can do other. You could launch both um, for two different communities. Um, like maybe you have a very strong NFT community um, on one side of things, and then you have the, the CPG community and, and the NFT community just likes owning digital versions of your product, but maybe they're not the ones who are going into the stores, buying your physical product every day. Yeah. Yeah, it's true, man. There's, 
there's definitely a lot to think about. Um, and I could honestly talk about this all day long. In fact, we might need to have a, we might need to have another conversation just about CPG and NFT and warn people ahead of time that we're just going to geek out on it. So if they're not into it, they can just, you know, skip to the next episode. <laughs> but for now, oh, yeah. I think you've given people more than enough to think about. Oh, yeah. Or maybe it'd be cool at a conference one day. Because um, I think, too, at these expos, um, as founders, we're usually try to be on the cutting, cutting edge of technology. And so it could be mm. a great kind of um, around the table talk um, from different people who, who want to chime in and talk about it and learn more um yeah, maybe sure. followed by an onboarding class to help people get set up with their own wallets and accounts and everything yes i love it dude i love it we'll have to circle back around to that um later on but um i've definitely i think we've gone on even a little longer than i told you so i appreciate you taking the extra time to chat and want to just give you the opportunity right now to you know let us know what's going on with hummy and where people should connect with you or the brand if they want to learn more. Uh, yeah. Um, so again, the name of the brand is Hummy. You can find us at www.hummi.com. Um, also on Instagram at Hummy uh, underscore yummy, Y-U-M-M-Y. Um, there you can check out some of the, the cartoons. You can also see um, one or two animations that maybe uh, eventually make their way into uh, the NFTs. Um, just reach out if you, you like our products, have any ideas, if you like NFTs. Um, I'm always happy to just chat with another person who, who's passionate about um, something. It can really be, be anything. Um, in regards to ask from a company standpoint, um, as mentioned earlier, we are fundraising. So if you're in an investor um, listening to this and, and interested kind of learning more uh, and obtaining access to our pitch deck and more of our um, strategic roadmap and plans and projections, all, all of that fun stuff, um, you can reach out at Tyler, T-Y-L-E-R, at Hummi, H-U-M-M-I-I.com. Um, and besides that, just want to say again, thank you so much, Taylor and uh, the team over at Fiddle for uh, having us on today. Awesome, man. Well, hey, Tyler, I appreciate your time. The feelings mutual. It's great to chat. And um, I'll, yeah, thanks for your time. And we'll chat again later. Looking forward to it. Maybe eventually right, an in person visit in, in uh, Utah. Yeah, for sure. That would be awesome. All right. Take care, Tyler. Thanks. You too, Taylor. See you. Thanks. The Physical Product Movement Podcast is brought to you by Fiddle. To find out more about Fiddle and how our industry-leading inventory ops platform is giving modern brands and manufacturers full visibility into their inventory and operations, visit fiddle.io. And then make sure to search for Physical Product Movement in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found. Make sure to click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Fiddle, thanks for listening.